Good morning. Really glad you're here this morning. Webster's defines uh, a mixed blessing as something that is good in some ways and bad in other ways. Technology can be a mixed blessing. Um, I'm an early adopter of technology, especially for my age. <laughs> Um, I'm wearing an Apple Watch. I have an iPhone. I enjoy all of the time savers and the little tricks that technology affords and how connected I can be in a way to my family and friends through text, email, social media. I can find out what's going on with people I haven't thought about in years until they friend me on Facebook and then I start learning what they're into. I am wired in and connected Through technology. Being connected this way also has its disadvantages. It's it's a mixed blessing. Scholars and researchers study the impact of constantly being connected through technology the way that we are today. And what they're finding is we've never been more connected yet alone. Sherry Turkle is a professor of social, social, wow, that's hard to say fast, social psychology at MIT, and she's a leading U.S. psychologist. She wrote a book, Alone Together. <laughs> Interesting. She, she started out in her career studying robots who talked to older folks and those in need uh, to to help comfort them and kind of give them a sense that there's a relationship. That's where she started. And so she is not anti-technology at all. Um, But she, she wrote this book, Alone Together, Why We Expect More from Technology and Less from Each Other. Really interesting stuff. I'd like to show you an excerpt from a TED Talk she did that highlights the challenges we're facing, the, 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 the more troubling side of the mixed blessing of being connected through technology. Let's watch this together. I'm still excited by technology, but I believe, and I'm here to make the case, that we're letting it take us places that we don't want to go. Over the past 15 years, I've studied technologies of mobile communication, and I've interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people, young and old, about their plugged-in lives. And what I've found is that our little devices, those little devices in our pockets, are so psychologically powerful that they don't only change what we do, they change who we are. Some of the things we do now with our devices are things that only a few years ago we would have found odd or disturbing but they've quickly come to seem familiar, just how we do things. So just to take some quick examples, people text or do email during corporate board meetings. They text and shop and go on Facebook during classes, during presentations, actually during all meetings. People talk to me about the important new skill of making eye contact while you're texting. People explain to me that it's hard, but that it can be done. Parents text and do email at breakfast and at dinner 
where their children complain about not having their parents' full attention, but then these same children deny each other their full attention. This is a recent shot of my daughter and her friends being together while not being together. And we even text at funerals. I study this. We remove ourselves from our grief or from our reverie, and we go into our phones. Why does this matter? It matters to me because I think we're setting ourselves up for trouble. Trouble certainly in how we relate to each other, but also trouble in how we relate to ourselves, in our capacity for self-reflection. We're getting used to a new way of being alone together. I just realized while I was up here, you might be thinking I'm trying to send a subliminal message. Do not text or look at Facebook while I'm talking. That's not, that's not it. That's not it, I promise. Uh, Turkle says, I am not anti-technology. I am pro-conversation. Uh, she makes a strong point. She quoted a young girl, Daddy, stop Googling. I want to talk to you. This, this is what goes on. This is how it is. Uh, this little girl said this because we were made to be connected to God and have meaningful family relationships and friendships. This, this is how God married us. He, he wired this in. If we let technology do it, it blocks the connection with others from the heart. It, it blocks us from connecting to them at a heart level where we can have meaningful conversations. A study of children going to camp showed that just five days away at camp without connections to the Internet and cell service made empathy markers rise. Interesting, huh? Just five days. They detoxed. Turkle commented in this study, uh, on that study, I believe we are wired to talk. This is the way God made us. He made us to do this. God made us to do best when we talk to him in prayer, when we listen to him speak to us through the scriptures, and when we relate to the people around us in a meaningful way. We can't. This is the way we're made. This is the way God made us. When we're able to connect with God in our heart of hearts, life comes into high definition. The same with connecting with others. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. He wants us to set aside time to learn about him through reading the Bible, through prayer. He wants our undivided attention in that. If notifications distract us while we're being still before God, they rob us. From the full high definition experience that he gives when we connect with him as he pours out our, his love, his majesty, his graces. We get a sense of how great he is, his awesomeness. And as we reconnect with him on a regular basis, we're, we're charged up. We're, our tank gets full with, with his love, but We've got to make that happen. We've got to make, make that, take advantage of that opportunity. When we're able to share life and joys with others, they multiply. 
We are made to share the whole spectrum of deep sorrows and exuberant joy with our family and circle of friends. This is the way we're made. Meaningful conversation is a must for good relationships. A runaway tech connection gets in the way of paying attention to God and people. Of course, there are other factors contributing to unplugging from people around us. Things like past hurts and rejection, the pace of life, because maybe we've been disappointed by others, the time, the money, the effort it takes to connect. We wonder if it's worth it. It's just difficult to push through all of that. We avoid connecting with others for these root reasons. These are the the root of it. But technology gives us a great thing to hide behind. Last week we saw how easy it is to slide into cynicism and the hope that Jesus gives to pull us out of it. This week we'll see the benefits of connecting with God and people and some guidance for how to avoid distractions uh, that make it Challenging. Those distractions make it challenging. How do we push through those? First of all, God offers a lasting solution to our connection or disconnection. If we go back to the Bible's account of creation, God makes man in his image. He creates the first man with the ability to relate to him, to relate with him. We are made to relate, uh, and, and that's obvious. This is why the little girl said, Dad, stop Googling. I want to talk to you because we are wired to connect and relate. Um, God creates the first man and he formed Adam out of dust, breathed life into him. And then he walked and talked with him in the paradise that he had created for him. This is the picture you get in Genesis uh, 1 through 3. Adam enjoys a close relationship with God. Then God makes a comment worth noting. Here it is, Genesis 2.18. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, this is the first time we see God indicating that something wasn't good, that he, in, in the creation he had made. Each step of creation was was marked by the comet, and it was good. Until this. Light was created, declared good. The atmosphere, land, vegetation, plants, fruit, sun and moon, birds, creatures, land animals, and then man. All were declared good. But it was not good that man was alone. So God forms the first woman from one of Adam's ribs, Adam's need for companionship is met by God. Now, God's plan, the big picture plan that he has for the earth, can now be fulfilled through this couple. They can make more people. That's one thing. That's part of his plan. They were commanded to have children who will have families of their own, form communities that will eventually fill the earth. But in the next chapter of Genesis, everything begins to unravel. It falls apart as Adam and Eve rebel. Eve is deceived by Satan in the form of a certain serpent. She sins. Adam also sins with his eyes wide open. And now, because of sin, the world is a mess, especially relationships. 
Sin damages our ability to relate to God, and it damages our ability to relate to one another. Because we tend to focus on ourselves. Relationships are grinding, they're often strained, and this is our default in life. Sin separates us from everything in life that really matters. Genesis 2 and 3 describe the root cause of this disconnection that we experience, and I'd encourage you to read through it. I don't have time to dig into it today. Uh, But throughout the Bible, you see the history of God continuing to pursue and reach out to the people that he's made. The Bible shows us the path to getting connected. God makes a way for us to reconnect with him, and that makes us more connectable. That's his, that's his goal. As we come to know him through Jesus Christ, which is the way he's made for us to connect with him, sin cut us off from knowing him personally, but we can reconnect through Jesus Christ. Um, as, we, as we do that, it makes us more connectable. He wants to work with us. He wants us to cooperate with him. He wants to give him our undivided attention so that he can begin to change us from the inside out. This is his his goal for our lives. So the first step on the path to reconnection is is to connect with God through Christ. First churches were made up of people who despised each other. The Jews and the Gentiles, there was major hostility between these two groups of people. Ephesians 2, 13, 14 says, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Now, this is talking about relationship to God. You who were far away have been brought near through the blood of Jesus Christ. But... Uh, It goes on, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two one. Now he's talking about those two groups who despise each other. He has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Sin brought deep division between God and each of us, but Jesus made it possible to reconnect with God. We have been brought near through the blood of Christ. His reference to made the two one is referring to that division between Jews and Gentiles. Jesus himself brings peace on all levels. This is what this is his goal. And his followers make it their goal to if it is possible live at peace with those around. You do you do your part. He has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. The Lord makes his followers more connectable. This is what he wants to do. Jesus is the bridge that we walk across to know God and connect with him personally. Beyond our connection with God, Jesus gives love and grace that should flow into our family relationships and friendships. You and I, we need a reservoir to draw from. We we need We need... To be filled up. We need to be tanked up if we're going to pour out the love that God wants us to to others. And the Lord does work in our heart 
to make this possible. He, he makes it possible for us to change at a heart level and then fill us up so that we can pour out. But we have to go to the well. We have to go to the reservoir. We have to keep stay connected to him so that we can pour out that way. Second step on the path to connection is to engage with those close by. Thorough research project on relationships is called the Alameda County Study. Uh, commenting on the study, John Oatberg says, it's better to eat Twinkies with good friends than to eat broccoli alone. That's his conclusion. I like that. Um, it takes kind of a clinical study and brings it down to the brass tacks. But basically, uh, this study was headed by a Harvard social scientist. It tracked the lives of 7,000 people over nine years. Uh, and researchers found that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die than those with strong relational connections. This is, we're wired to be connected. People who had bad health habits, such as smoking, poor eating habits, obesity, or alcohol use, but strong social ties lived significantly longer than those uh, people who had great health habits but were isolated. Ortberg's comment. Better to eat Twinkies with good friends than broccoli alone. That makes sense to me. I like Twinkies. I haven't had one in years, though. (laughs) I'm starting to get hungry for one right now. What the study shows is that isolation kills. Getting connected is essential for health and well-being. The Bible stated this long before the modern research uncovered it. Here's a picture of isolation from the Bible. Ecclesiastes 4, 7 through 10. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This, too, is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. This this describes disconnection well. There's no joy in work and wealth if I can't share it. This This is the way we're made. We're living in the most connected era globally, yet people feel alone. We can talk to anyone online or on one of our devices all around the world. We can find people to interact with miles and countries apart. Uh, But we struggle with good conversation in the presence of the people who are in the room with us. This This is normal. The struggles are normal. Being connected to everyone through social media, text, email means I'm more focused on the people out there sometimes, maybe most of the time, than I am with those physically in the room with me. Getting connected isn't going to happen without changing habits, so I have some suggestions. Um, Here's how to get connected. Disengage from the disconnectors. Shut off tech at dinner. 
Turkle that I mentioned earlier, she has a rule, no, no cell phones, no nothing at dinner. We talk. We talk about it. Put the phone away when the, in the car when you're in the car with others. Unless you need to use the GPS. I, I need the GPS. You know, just glance at it as you need to have a conversation. <laughs> use the do not disturb or turn off notifications regularly. Charge your phone away from your bedside. And then here's some suggestions. Engage in the here and now. Turn off your phone to read the Bible and pray. Just flat turn it off. Play board games versus watch TV. I'm not quite sure I'm going to do that. I'm not a fan of board games, but it is a good suggestion. Some of you are. Um, take a hike with friends. Uh, host others from, your, from church in your home. Go to lunch or dinner with people from church. Go on a trip with friends or extended family. We won't connect if we don't commit to be intentional about it. I made some memes. I'm very proud of myself for making these memes. Um, here's a couple at dinner. Dinner conversations. I, I understand that memes need to be satirical, and this really is. Because the couple, they're not talking to each other. They're talking to other people through their phones or doing something. Uh, here's family discussions. Families at dinner. Poor guys trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, here's friends out to lunch. Conversations at lunch. Conversations, they're happening, but not with those in the same room. We, we commit, we must commit to changing our habits if it's going to be any different, if we're going to make this happen. To introduce my last point for today, I'd like to share a video testimony from Chuck Spaulding. He's a man who's a part of uh, Orange Crest Community Church in Riverside. He was their UPS driver. Orange Crest is a daughter church of ours. We sent out Pastor Josh Jolarosa and a launch team in 2007. Uh, we share the same emo- uh, approach to ministry, the same values. Many of the folks uh, here have experienced what Chuck's going to describe in the video uh, let's watch this together. My wife, uh, for, for quite a while, has been dealing with some very uh, serious health issues. Um, and when we came to OCC, it didn't take very long until we started building uh, a real community of friendship, more than you know, not just Sunday friends. And these are women who really uh, they came around my wife really helped her through um, a lot of struggles um, that was just amazing it's, it's, it's changed my wife's life um, in so many ways it's, it's, it's incredible uh, since joining um, OCC we've made um, a lot of friends we've got uh, some friends that we spend um, Thanksgiving with now we spend Easter with and we share our lives with these people they're they're not just people that we say hey, to on Sunday and ask that. These are true like friends and family now. So um, it's also I was going to retire um, in in uh, March, um, and we had family selling our house, and moving out to, um, to Idaho where my where my daughter lives and her husband. And 
basically because the, the, the friendships we've made at this church, the involvement that we have in this church now, me and my wife both serve um, every Sunday. Um, retirement's on hold, I'm still working, I'm going to be working probably another three years at least. Um, our plans are moving, our are not those plans any longer. Um, and uh, when you find the right church uh, and the right people, you really involve yourself. Uh, it changes your life. That's it. Um, could you guys hear that? Okay. Oh, uh, I could hear it really strongly out of the monitor, so just checking. Sorry about that. Uh, a relationship with Christ is the common ground that some families are finding here. He's bringing more and more people together. Uh, this video highlights the third step on the path to greater connection, grow connections with the church community. What Chuck described on the video is that being involved in a community with, with a purpose adds zest to life. He changed his plans for moving to continue to connect and serve in the church community at Orange Crest. This is why God made the church the way he designed it. It's designed to meet a deep need that God put in us from the moment we were made. Theologians and pastor types like me, I've heard them say for growing up, I grew up in church, we say, people have a God-shaped void. In their heart. People also have a human shaped void. God made us this way. He made us to connect. Adam was connected to God in the garden, but the Lord still stated that he was alone and it wasn't good. In the first century AD, the Jesus movement really began to take off. I'd like to look at what happened. After Jesus rose from the dead, his followers went on missions, spreading the message of Jesus to everyone. They formed into churches, which are communities of Christ followers who walk through life together. Here, here's the picture you get in Acts. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is a picture of what God hopes the church will be. Notice the description. They were together. They had everything in common. They were not the same. They were Jews and Gentiles. They were two groups who tend to despise each other, but the common ground in the Lord Jesus brought them together. They were in this together. They were a team or a family. They met at church. They met in their homes. They ate together. They, they were real with each other. They praised God together. As, as they grew, they experienced blessing and real life together, connecting to God, engaging those close by, and growing a connection to the church community will require intentionality. We've got to be intentional. The research we've looked at confirms the truth of Scripture. We don't, we don't base, Christ followers don't base what they do on their research, but it does certainly confirm it. 
I've seen this over and over again in the last 40 plus years, uh, how psychologists and social scientists confirm what the Bible already said. I was a behavioral science major in college, so I'm, I'm used to this. <laughs> it's because the author of the Bible, God himself, made us. And he knows how we work best. So he's designed life to work best this way. I'd like to show you one more video from a social scientist. Uh, this is Gene Twingy, a professor of psychology at San Diego State. I've read a couple of her books. She's an expert in generational studies. Um, she tracks the traits and characteristics of generations like the millennials and those we call iGen. Uh, in this video clip, she's talking about uh, the impact of smartphones and being connected to the happiness factor of teens in the iGen generation. Now, she calls it the iGen generation. Some people call it Generation Z. But um, they've never been without a smartphone in their life. So they were born after the invention of smartphones. And she, she points out that from when, when they turned 12, from the years 12 to 14, there was a 50% increase in depression and the suicide rate doubled in the years that they've, they've kind of come into their own. Um, and the only change she can figure out is they've had more time on their cell phones and online. So let's listen to what she has to say. So the next question is, are teens who spend a lot of time online thriving or are they struggling? Well, they're more likely to not sleep enough. They are 71% more likely to have at least one risk factor for suicide such as, such as feeling sad or hopeless for two weeks, thinking about suicide, or having attempted suicide in the past, and they are twice as likely to be unhappy. There's a photographer who takes pictures of people on the street who are looking at their phones. In short, they do not look happy. They do not look happy. Here's the good news. You don't have to give up your phone. Use your phone for all the great things that it can do for an hour or two a day and then go and live your life. Go for a run or a swim. Watch a sunset. Get some sleep. Go see a friend, not on Snapchat, but in person. Watch the expression on your friend's face. Hear the tone in your friend's voice. Give your friend a hug. In short, let your phone be a tool you use, not a tool that uses you. That's good. That's good, good advice. I don't, I don't know how you're going to work this out. You, you, can, <laughs> you can choose to do whatever with the, the truth and information I'm sharing today. Obviously, that's obvious. Captain Obvious.
But God made us in a way where we do best when we're connected to him and the people around us in meaningful ways. This is how he put us together on the inside. He made us to do best when we're connected to a community of people where we're known, where we're loved, where we can serve, where we can connect. That's what the church is intended to be. With that in mind, I'd like to ask you to find the connection card you began to fill out earlier in our service. Uh, Please take the time to fill out the front and the back. Uh, You can take some next steps and sign up for some things there. Um, Here's some suggested next steps, and they're, they're only on the back of your listening guide. My next step today is to slow down and circle one of these. My next step is to slow down and connect with God, engage with others, connect with the church community. There there are several opportunities to do that. One way, if you've been around here uh, for a while, invite someone to lunch after church, someone you just met. And, you know, don't have to say yes, but but that'd be great. Another step would be to sign up for a meetup. We, we're wrapping up the spring round of meetups, and we'll have some new meetups coming up for the summer. Um, but that's an opportunity. And then attend the Making Marriage Thrive workshop. That'd be great. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth we see in your word and all that you've done, Lord God, to connect to us, to make it possible for us to to know you and walk with you and to do life together. Thank you for the way that you've made us, for the the desire we have for true connections, the way that you make us more connectable. I pray, God, that we draw on the reservoir that you provide for, for our help to love and pour ourselves out for others. I pray for the ability and the strength to take the next steps that you've laid on our hearts. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.